Happy Derek Craven Day, Jen. Sarah, the problem with inventing a holiday is then you have to figure out you have to celebrate it. You have to celebrate it. <laughs> Last year, we were all coy. We were like, for those of you, I'm just going to quietly celebrate at home. <laughs> <laughs> this year, we were like, oh, no, it's back. Listen, I did an event at East City Books last week. Oh, I want to talk about this event. Yeah. I did an event at East City Books last week with Kate Claiborne to celebrate Georgie all along, which those of you who listen weekly know, two weeks ago we did an episode with Kate to celebrate Georgie. And at this event, it was a who, first of all, a who's who of amazing romance novelists were at this event. I mean, East City has a lock. And it was Kate and me and Tracy Livesey and Andy J. Christopher and Nikki Payne. And Timothy Janofsky, the author of You're a Mean One, Matthew Prince. I've heard so many good things about that book. I started it yesterday. It's a delight. Anyway, it was awesome. And as we were talking, somebody in the audience uh, asked about just how, or maybe it was Nikki who asked about, you know, how Kate delves, you know, deeply into her characters. Like, how does she create fully formed, nuanced characters and I mean, you and I could talk for ages about, you know, what that question means and and how interesting it is that, like, that's a question that we have to ask in romance, right? But um, but what's really fascinating is that Kate started talking about how she spends a lot of time thinking about, like, say, does Levi from Georgie All Along sit on a beanbag chair? And then she sort of thinks it through, like, <laughs> is this the kind of character who would sit on a beanbag chair? You and I immediately would agree that Georgie definitely throws herself onto oh, yeah. the beanbag chair. She has, like, a strong preference for certain brands and kinds of beanbag chairs, I would <laughs> yeah, even say. loves a beanbag. Loves it. But, like, Levi probably not. Not so much not. not. Right? Um, but what was interesting is as she was talking about, she was giving this com- this this answer within the context of our yeah. of our chat, and I was like, hang on a second. If anybody wants to really, like, deeply understand what we mean by this, by how you delve into a character in this way, you gotta listen to the Derek Craven episode. Sure. And then I was like, it's gonna be Derek Craven Day, and across, there were 75 people in this room, and across the room, people applauded. And I was like, give the people what they want. (laughs) And I was like, you all, it is nigh. (laughs) <laughs> February 4th is Derek Craven Day. Wow. The best of the February romance holidays, I would say. I mean, yeah, way better than that other one. Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romances, and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And we have a lot—this is going to be mostly banter, everybody. We have a lot of exciting things that we're going to talk to you about today— I had a thought, which I have just lost, that you were talking about East East City Bookshop, and it was yeah. beanbag chairs, and now I can't remember. Well, while you're thinking, I'm going to just catch everyone up, because yes. four or maybe five years ago, <laughs> five years ago, Jen and I accidentally invented a holiday, <laughs> and it's freaking great, you guys. We were on Twitter, and I tweeted, there are two kinds of Lisa Kleypas readers, the ones who think Derek Craven is the best and the ones who are wrong. Yes. And Jen was like, faded mates. <laughs> yes, I obviously. We have something in co- this might have been before the podcast. I think it was before the podcast. Yes. And then the next year, for some reason, 
we were talking about Derek Craven, and, and I was like, wait, it's February 4th again. It's the same day. And then we were like, well, obviously February 4th is Derek Craven Day. He was born in a drain pipe, and he probably didn't know his real birthday, but we have just derived it from the universe. Yeah, Derek Craven, Aquarius. It actually does. It does. Checks out. Okay. Check out. <laughs> okay. I'm going to build him a, like a co-star profile. should be that's next week next year's episode next year's, right is. read Derek Craven's star chart Derek Derek Craven's chart um anyway so it was super exciting and then we had a podcast and so we were like here's what we'll do for fun on February 4th we'll drop an episode that's the Derek Craven day episode and what was amazing y'all is after that whenever you google Derek Craven day Google tells you Derek Craven Day is a holiday, an official Google holiday on February 4th. That's when I really understood my own power. I really will. I'm not going to lie to you. If that is all the power we have, we ever get Worth in it. our lifetime, it really is the greatest of powers. I feel like maybe next year we'll have to like contract out with like Hallmark and make like Derek Craven Day greeting cards. There are Derek Craven Day t-shirts. Sure. We'll link to all this stuff. It's all good. We're, there's a lot There's a lot here. We will link to, obviously, the merch. Shannon Donahue, resident artist in Romancelandia, created a, created a drawing that I, I commissioned this drawing so that I could send you a Derek Craven Day card. I did not send you a Derek Craven Day card this year, Jen. I apologize. But then she took the art and she made a poster, a t-shirt of it, so yeah. you all can have this art. I think I could find my Derek Craven Day postcard, which is somewhere near my desk, but it's a little messy right now. It's fine. Um, and then we did, the reason why this happened is because we really, for Jen and I, Derek Craven is one of the, I would say a cornerstone romance hero for us. Yeah, absolutely. A real, a real important archetype for us, the Derek Craven hero. Yeah, 100%. And so we spend a lot of time dismissing other heroes in romance <laughs> with the just quiet disdain of Derek Craven would never. Right. Right. Sure. And so we did an entire episode with Kate one year uh, where you all submitted very delightful things. Oh, like, my God. That's one of my favorite Derek episodes. Craven <laughs> wear a, like a mask that matched his below suit his or nose. whatever. Would, we, would he wear his, his COVID mask below his nose? He would never. <laughs> no. That, <laughs> that episode is one of my favorites. I think there was a time... Where So Mr. Reed's Romance, everybody loves me very much, but does not know anything about the podcast, which Sarah Kate, at one point was like, wait, he really knows nothing. And I was like, no, I, I went to visit and I was like, oh, my God, he really, he knows really nothing. does not. Which is, you know, it's just a different experience than sure. mine. Because, you know, we have He knows Derek. everything, right? And at <laughs> some point, I think I might have said Derek Craven would never. And he's like, what does that mean? And I was like, what? Like, you know that part in The Princess Bride where he's like, it's too long. I'll sum up. <laughs> Yeah. That's kind of how I felt at that moment. I, I was love like, it. I can't even really understand how I could get you there. So just, just know. Derek Craven would never ask his woman to use Uber Pool. <laughs> Derek Craven would handle the kids' bedtime just yes, fine. Of course. Derek Craven would never make you do sports. <laughs> Derek Craven would never sit on a beanbag chair. Oh, no. <laughs> God, no. Wait, wasn't there one that was like, would Derek Craven carry your teacup poodle in a bag? 
<laughs> Remember that one? And That's I was like, a good one. I'm delighted by this. Um, anyway, all of this is in show notes of other episodes, other Derek Craven episodes. But February 4th is, in fact, Derek Craven Day. If you look down at your app right now, you will see the Google screenshot that shows started. That we are not. We have not made this up. I mean, we did make it up, but sure. now, you know, once Google gets hold of it. I mean, it's his birthday, Sarah. He deserves a holiday. Yeah. February 4th is also probably like National Broccoli Day, and that's not what Google tells you about. No. No. Derek Craven would eat broccoli, though. He cares about his health. Sure. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Derek <laughs> Broccoli would have... for Sarah. Derek Broccoli would have... Derek Broccoli. Derek Craven, though... Okay, wait, this is actually really fun. Mm. So the other day in a group text, we were talking about, like, what car Dr. Fauci would drive, remember? And I was like, <laughs> Dr. Fauci drives a 10-year-old Prius. It's fact. Yeah, that's It's not fact, but I made it up. What kind of car do you think Derek Craven would drive? I don't think Derek Craven has a, has a car. I think Derek a driver. Craven has a driver. All right, fair. I like it. Okay. I think Derek Craven has, like, a black car. Sure. That is always at his beck and call because, and like a very capable man, a factotum, the modern day factotum yes. is Derek Craven's driver. Like but Derek it. Craven do, is not interested, he does not, but he's not interested, nor would he like worry himself or fuss with yeah. automobiles as a concept. Okay, I like it. I agree. He has, he has more important things to do. <laughs> I watch a lot of Succession, as you know, Jen. I don't think I talked about it a ton on the podcast, but, like, I'm super into Succession because I'm fascinated by the idea that you can, like, create an entire universe of people and tell a full story where no one is redeemable. Like, literally everybody is terrible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, like, I don't know why you're fascinated by it. It's, like, modern-day yeah, politics. Like a, well, yes. But actually, I. But also, you want to watch them, yeah. In the, which is not how I feel about modern day politics. Sure. Anyway, I think it's a masterclass, and I'm really interested in it. But these idiots are always driving around in the backseat of cars, and I'm like, I don't understand really, like, why you would need this. And Eric pointed out, like, they all think they have to work, yeah. in the back, like they have, they need that. Time I'm a busy for person. Work. I got to do my work back here. Here's the thing, Derek Craven actually does need that time for work. True. Because when he gets home. It's all Sarah. Sure. 100%. What a man. Okay, so one of the ways that we thought about how we could, like, you know, celebrate Derek Craven Day is to, I a couple weeks ago on Twitter, <laughs> I put out this, like, all call that was basically, like, tell us about your favorite Lisa Claypiss hero. Right? And so I asked people, there was, like, a Google form, and I was, like, Three people are going to fill this out. There's like 75 different ones. Amazing. I love you all. And the question was, what does this Claypus hero do or say? Right? Who's the hero? Uh -huh. And what is the name of the book? And then, like, why did it stick with you? Because I'm actually really curious about that. Um, like, why was this something that you really, you know, that stuck with you? And so I just thought it would be fun for us to maybe start off by talking about some of our favorite Derek Craven moments. But then, you know, we can magnanimously share... Yeah. Although I do want to say, somebody said, like, somebody on Instagram was like, now that you've found Winterborn, will there be a Winterborn day? And that is Derek Craven's slander. Yeah, like, no. Look, listen. Winterborn is lovely, but, like, <laughs> come on now. Derek Craven forever. Yeah. No, exactly. it's just a different vibe. Because, <laughs> you know, I think the thing for me about Derek Craven is, and I mean, I think it really is, like, so foundational to, like, the forge 
of that that I was fired uh-huh. in as a yeah, romance reader, right? Same. Is the whole idea about Dara Craven that I love is like how I mean, because this is like the 80s and 90s romance hero to AT was like I like a love is not for me. I am uh-huh. a monolith of my own amazingness. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And then they meet some woman that just, like, knocks them on their fucking ass. And it's uh-huh. just, like, watching, like, a monument fall. Yes. And that's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, also, in the vein of, you know, uh, Dreaming of You versus Marrying Winterborn, for example, you can really see how the world and Lisa have shift, have changed over the course of time, of the, you know, almost 30 years between yes. those two books. Um, there's just so much that that goes on in Dreaming of You that would not, cannot happen in Winterborn. No. Um, and I think that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, right. Like we talk in our sure. Derek Craven episode, which will be linked in show notes, in our Dreaming of You episode about, like, Derek Craven does a few things that are, like, not super appropriate. I mean, yeah. like, he's mainly cool, but there are moments. Yeah. Um, and so, and look, I'm for it. Put it right in my veins. I think there's an echo of this. One of, again, like watching the ways, because Claypus, like I think all authors, has a certain kind of core story, right? And one of the ways in which I think the, like the, if we talk about like the Craven to Winterborn continuum, right? Like what happens in between there? Uh-huh. Derek Craven is basically like, I'm not good enough for Sarah. I mean, full stop. Right? All I want ever. (laughs) Sure. Winterborn says, No one's ever good enough. No one's ever good enough for Helen. So it might as well be me. me. (laughs) And I feel like those are slightly different things, right? I think they are too. And I mean, because Winterborn, yeah, the value of Reese Winterborn, right, is like he knows he's fucking great. Yes. Right? Right. Derek Craven will never, ever believe he is great. Yeah. No. And, like, look, that's sad for Derek. But good for me. Especially because he's the greatest. (laughs) But it is, right? That's the difference, right? Yeah. Reese Winterborn has a clear sense of self. Yes. And his own, a sense of his place in the world and a sense of how he controls the world around him. Right. And, yeah, Helen is above everybody. Right. But, like, he deserves her as much as anybody else. So it might as well be me. But I think Derek is like, there are other men who deserve her more than me. So I gotta fucking work for it every day. Every day. I gotta ride in the back of the car. (laughs) Because I gotta do work. Yeah, right? (laughs) I think the other difference is, okay, so another one of my, okay, so another, and look, again, I love Winterborn. I love all these heroes. This is not, at least the Claypists heroes are, like, my everything. Um, the other thing I was thinking about a lot is one of my favorite moments in Dreaming of You is mm-hmm. that the casino, like, his get the kids club burns down in a fire, and he thinks that Sarah is in there, and he basically is like, I is destroyed. 
right? He's destroyed. Oh, yeah. I mean. Right? Okay. But when he finally figures out that Sarah is alive and well, he is like, I'm going to leave this club behind. It doesn't matter to me anymore because I have you. If Winterborns burn down, he'd rebuild that fucking thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, because he is going to be king of every castle. Yeah. And I think, like, that's the other part of the other reason why, like, Derek Craven to me is so primal. Right? Like, these are, Mm -hmm. there's some layers of civility on Reese Winterborn that there are not on Derek Craven, where he's like, everything burned down but Sarah, so I can just leave all that behind. It doesn't matter. Right? I think that's really, you are nailing it. And I think the what you're making me realize is that Craven is like pure fantasy yes. in a lot of ways. And Winterborn is very much about reality. Like, yeah. he, Winterborn understands his power, Helen's value. Like, he yeah. wouldn't let the, he wouldn't let the company, like, go to, no, go into disrepair because that's impractical. Right. I mean, we, he, need, we need this. He, I built this thing and now I better, exactly. right? Like, I'm going to, this this department store exists, and it's yeah. very valuable, and so we have this thing. Well, and, and he, we use it, but Craven, like, there's never a discussion, like, Craven needs a job. They can't just live on a writer's salary. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but, like, no. Right. Because, I, but because I think it doesn't matter in that It doesn't world. matter. Right. Well, and I think they'll eat love. Sure, fine. Or he'll find other people to scam or whatever. It's fine. Um, The other thing I think that is important about that is like, and again, I think this is interesting, right? Is um, Winterborn is like, I built this store from nothing. It was a grocery store. And I built it into this and I own it. It was my vision. Whereas Derek Craven built it from nothing. But he never, it never was about his identity. It was always about taking money from these toffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that his connection to it as like a part of his identity is just was very different. And I think that that's, so I I don't know. Like I just was thinking a lot about like why, like I said, why like Craven has my, my little beating heart in his hand. Agreed. All right. Let's okay. look at this. This is a fun spreadsheet. Listen, okay, so this is so fun. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Can you identify the book? Yeah. I think is a good beginning. Okay. And I don't really, I mean, like, of course you're not. We're not going to be, listen, you guys, Kleypas writes beautifully, and I can definitely identify most of these lines as Kleypas lines. Yeah. But like, um, but... I, but more importantly, the things that people have written in column E is which the is delight. Why yes. these are so powerful? It's just they're chef's kiss. So yeah. can't wait to share them. Okay, this one's from Caroline in Boston, and the the thing that the hero does or says that she loves the best is he buys her a bear. <laughs> Do you know which one that is? Oh, which one does he buy her a bear? I'll give you a clue. Derek Craven is in this book. Oh, is it with Lily? It's Then Came You. Nice. So, Alex, Lord Wolverton buys her a bear, and honest to God, I had forgotten that, and it's, of course, right? Obviously. This is a this is a real Clay Piss Hallmark, which is, what does she want? She yeah. gets 50 of them. Yes. Oh, she likes 
she likes bears, I'm going to buy her one. Sure. Like, and, <laughs> and like, okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. They're all rich enough that she gets a bear and she gets, you know, the trainer and the special sure. place for the bear and the bear food and the bear. Uh, like, it, it's just now they just own this bear. Yeah. Um, what Caroline has to say is, this is the greatest modern historical romance of all time. Listen, that's a big, a big uh, statement, Caroline. I'm listening. I will fight Sarah. Oh, if she says it's dreaming of you. Caroline, I thought we were going to be friends. <laughs> the heroine. Now, here are her arguments. And I got to say, she makes, a good, she makes a good case. The heroine ties the hero to her bed. She paints a snake on her body. To make him choke on lust. God, Lily was the best. <laughs> she has real secrets, and he undergoes such a turnaround in his attitude and feelings, and she just needs someone to love her so damn much, and he is so helpless to resist her. He even buys her a freaking bear, a bear who is being bear-baited, to make her happy. This book is incredible, and not just because Derek Raven's in it. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And listen, I'm going to go read Then Can You right now. So yeah. there it is. Caroline, I appreciate your nomination. I'll take it under advisement. I had forgotten about painting painting a snake on her body. Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot. That's I mean, hot. Listen, Claypus can Cla- write a horny scene. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Well, what it's the 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 scene with the ring, Cam's ring. Oh yeah. And the butt action. <laughs> From Suddenly You, right? Lisa Kleypas. I would say Lisa Kleypas would never, but she would, and I like that about her. She definitely would. Um, okay, well, here's one that I thought was really pretty funny, which is someone, there's a lot for, um, I guess I'm not, I'm not sure how we're doing this, right? But I'm just scrolling. <laughs> one of the things that I think is under appreciated, maybe, about Kleypas is how funny she can be with some of these heroes. Mm-hmm. So, um, this one is, one of her heroes says, we each have a special talent. Some people can sing opera or learn a foreign language. I grow hair. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, right, and it's West Ravenel, which is from Devil's Daughter, yes. who is great. And one of the things that, so this is from um, Joanne from from Annapolis, and she said, and this is, like, really smart. Kleypas wants the reader to know that West is a nice guy, but also that he's, like, trying to tap into, like, kind of being, like, a manly man, right? Like, <laughs> like there's this way yeah. in which he is also, of course, if you've read The Ravenels, always sort of feeling like he's second best to his brother, right? And so it's yeah. kind of like this way in which... He's, his irreverence also throughout many books, Wes really uses to hide his vulnerability, right? And so I think, like, that's what a lot of these are are getting at. And then um, Katrin from Australia also had a West Ravenel quote, which uh-huh. is what he says is, what I'd like more than anything is for you to listen to an apology. And so his irreverence, right? Like the way that these are connected, they just like ended up together on the spreadsheet, which is, you know, he he comes so far. This is like really, truly a character who, when you see him, if you read Devil's Daughter first and then go back to Cold-Hearted Rake, you're like, who is this guy? And so it's really interesting because what Katrin said too is, all he asks is for her to listen, not to forgive. Like he knows that's up to her, but he's like, I just want 
you to listen. And he is. West is a great, great Claypus hero. She's so good at it. Yeah. She's so good at characterization. Yes. Right? Like, she, everything these characters do, especially with her heroes, I mean, her heroines are magnificent and we don't give them enough credit. Yeah. But I think in part the reason why we don't give them enough credit is because we're, I'm so starstruck by the way she draws a hero. Yeah. Who, every one of these heroes is like pure archetype in a lot of ways, but then she shades them in in these really beautiful, they have all these like beautiful characteristics. And when they say things like, you know, I want her to, I want her to listen, but not to forgive, right? Like there's such power in how she softens these like very hard heroes. Um, Because it's very clear to me that Lisa loves a really firm, <laughs> like a really firm hero. <laughs> I was like, yes, Sarah, for <laughs> It's clear to all of us, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and okay. I think, well, I just want to say is I'm not going to read them all, but many, many people had quotes from West, and a lot of them were like par- times when he was being really funny, right? Like where he was making jokes or like, you know, being uh-huh. sarcastic and he's so, Phoebe has kids and he is really like so warm and lovely with the kids. And I think um, that, you know, he's a very kind of different kind of Claypus hero, but it, clearly he has so many people's hearts. It's really great. Yeah. I think um, there's the third, now there's the third point of the, of the heroes who are, I think probably most beloved. Yeah. Of, of Lisa. So there's Derek, who, as we said, um, believes he and he is never, ever going to be good enough for Sarah, but someone else might be. So he has to work hard to make sure that he keeps it. There is Winterborn, who mm-hmm. everybody loves because he's just like king of the universe. Sure. Right. And like knows that Helen is far above him, but like he's just as good as all these other idiots. And then there's St. Vincent. Yes. There sure is. The hero of Devil in Winter, which is the one that we hear the most about on Derek Craven Day, honestly. Right, Because everybody wants justice for St. Vincent. And like, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. So, (laughs) listen, start your own podcast and make your own, (laughs) make your own holiday. Google will help. So the, um, (laughs) listen, but I want to say, I think, I mean, St. Vincent is probably the first of the, of the Claypus heroes that I read like, that I really fell for. Like, this is a magnificent hero. And the oh, things 100%. that happen, this, this book is really oh, mm, great. But <laughs> Taylor from Phoenix is giving me, like, this, what's this, What? what's this kind of hero? <laughs> because there's a great quote in this book that goes, I would kill her myself before I'd let you have her. <laughs> Which does feel like it's like the third piece of that triangle, right? It really does. As Taylor says, it is the most extremely St. Vincent thing to threaten to kill your your own wife to keep her out of the hands of somebody you don't want having her. Um, It's true. And he just can't, like, in his mind, he's like, no, no one, like, she's mine. Mine, 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 mine. Well, and I think, like, one of my favorite like, so we talk a lot about, like, the power of objects, right? The talisman, mm-hmm. the Claypus talisman. The Claypus talisman. Is yeah. when, um, I don't know if we've, I'm surely we've talked about Evie's wedding ring. So, you know, they go up to 
Gretna Green, and Mm -hmm. which is a great scene, by the way. I remember, like, as a young, like, a romance reader being like, where the fuck is this? Why don't they ever get there? (laughs) And I really was like, oh, yeah, they get there. And Uh he comes back with a wedding ring that is, it says, my love is upon you on the inside. And, of course, he, you know, probably, he got bamboozled by this, like, the blacksmith's family that had, like, essentially, like, a very Vegas style. Like, you can get this add-on or this (laughs) add-on. But it really is. Fun fact, I've been to Gretna Green, and it is like that. Really? Yeah, it's, it is, like, the closest thing to Vegas that Scotland can get to. It's, like, not super, it's, (laughs) there's way no, there's no neon at all. But it's, like, cheesy, and definitely you have a feeling, like, yeah. You could add on everything. <laughs> and the thing about my love is upon you, though, is it's so true. Like, once Sebastian gives her his love, right, it is uh-huh. this, like, burden that she's yeah, carrying around. you have around. to carry it. Yeah. Yes. And, and oh, I— Oh, Sebastian, I love uh, him so much, but, like, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also be honest. I— find that it's impossible almost for me to read the book where he, I guess it happened one autumn, where he kidnaps... Yeah, where he kidnaps Lillian, uh, right? Lillian. Because yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to love this guy? And I get, like, redeeming the hero and all that business, Not, but, yeah. you know, it's a But he does one. do a terrible thing. But Denise from New Orleans uh, is arguing that Sebastian is Clapus's funniest hero. And I would hear arguments for that. Like, I think Sebastian is incredibly funny. Yes. And obviously he's quick-witted and he, you know, he's very Oscar Wilde-y in the sense that, like, he always has something droll to say. Like, yes. I think he's the one who says something like, I would never be so bourgeois to love my wife, right? Yes. Like, it's... Right. But my favorite thing about Sebastian's character is deeply funny, which is part of the setup to the book is that they have a sex deal, right? Like, yes. Evie says, you have to remain celibate for X amount of time. Um, and he's like, I'm Sebastian St. I'm St. Vincent. Yes. Like, what? Just ask me to be cel- I haven't, I haven't been celibate more than 24 hours in like 14 years. Since I was a child out of the womb. <laughs> He's so horrified, so, so horrified by the idea. And it is really extremely funny. And then, of course, at the end, when the celibacy is on the line, he is so romantic. He's so, he he just can't bear the idea that he might lose the deal and therefore Evie. But he's a dummy because obviously at that point Evie's like, I don't care about that. It was Sarah from Seattle pointed out that there is a fun one of her funny funniest St. Vincent quotes is actually from It Happened One Autumn, which mm-hmm. is when he's talking to Westcliff and he says, You have your hobbies, I have mine. <laughs> <laughs> right? So uh, okay. And then on top of it, I mean, I gotta say, so many of the more recent books, like the the most recent Ravenel books or Ravenel books. Mm-hmm have had Sebastian, like, Sebastian's, like, a major player yeah. in these books because he's fun. Yeah. You always want, you're always willing to go back to Sebastian. I get it. He's hot. I feel like we should maybe talk uh, super briefly about Gabriel, Lord St. Vincent. Oh, um, yeah. Which, uh, Michelle from Massachusetts said her favorite is when he tells Pandora, you kiss like a pirate. And I love this explanation 
She says, I love that Gabriel Gabriel relishes Pandora's eccentric energy even when she's messy. Um, and that's great. Like, what a nice way to explain. Like the like they those two and I really like Dublin Spring um, uh-huh. as well. I love them as a as a matchup. Right. I feel like we've talked a lot about Clapis heroes so far at Sarah Craven Day, but like she has some heroines who are just really interesting women doing interesting things. And Pandora is probably one of my favorite Clapis characters. Right, like just I haven't read this one. Oh God, it's terrific. Remember, I confess that I haven't read it. I haven't read yes. most of the Raven Ellis. Well, it's true, but you know what? It's funny because there's a bunch of I have not read most of the Hathaways. Right, and we really should talk about the Hathaways. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to the rarely discussed contemporaries. Yes, of Lisa Clapis, and yes. thankfully, Katrin from Australia also submitted a second, uh, a second line on Hardy Cates, who is. Probably in my top five contemporary heroes of all time. Now, listen, Blue-Eyed Devil is not for the faint of heart. There is, uh, you should check your content warnings before you go into this book. But the main character, the heroine of Blue-Eyed Devil, has been through, has been through it yeah. with her, her ex-husband. Uh, she has escaped a, a severely abusive marriage. And Hardy is her second love, or, well, I mean, ultimately, he's her ultimate love, right? And he does a thing that is a deeply Clapus thing that has been, that is also other in the hands of other authors. Um, but Touch Her and Die is a real, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a trope that we all love, right? Like, I see it now all the time on TikTok. Like, you know, there's Touch Her and Die, but the book is about, like, I don't know, hot air balloonists. And so... <laughs> Right. I don't think there is a book about hot air balloonists, you guys. There probably so if you is. did write one. It's not, I'm not talking about that one. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever read. That feels like a real old school category. There's an job. old school category that's like a love swept where they're like literally on a hot, hot air balloon in the front. There you go. I'll say anyway, I'll put it in show notes. That's a separate thing. So, um, and what Hardy says when he hear he finally hears the heroine's whole story, and of course, like takes her ages to tell him the truth about it. And he says, I'm going after your ex-husband. I heard him say softly. And when I finish, there won't be enough left of him to fill a fucking matchbox. (laughs) And listen, that's what I want. I want you to do fucking crime for me. Yeah, it's great. If somebody hurts me, I want you to go and collect their heads in a bag and bring them to me as tribute. Here is another great one. Julia from St. Petersburg talks about Lady Sophia's lover. And I only recently read this book for the first time Ross with Sir Cannon. Ross Cannon. And Ross Cannon, Bow Street Runner. Remember, the question was, what does this Clapis hero do or say? And she said, rage 69s you after he uncovers your lies. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and so Julia said, Lady Sophia's lover may not be my favorite Clapis, but it was my first. Sir Ross Cannon is the horniest hero Clapis has ever written. At the what beginning, did I say? Horny he heroes. Starched, buttoned up, celibate widower, but wanting Sophia sends him off the rails to Horny Town. And that is, in <laughs> fact, I, I was like, replace the blurb with that, and everyone will buy it. <laughs> that should be the back cover copy. Yes. It's brilliant. <laughs> Listen. Ross Cannon is great. I loved that book. I mean, 
Lisa loves a hero who is a self-made man, and she has written a lot of rich men who pull themselves up by their bootstraps or, like, crawl out of the gutter and then become billionaires, right? Yeah. Or, you know, Regency-era, Victorian-era billionaires. Um, But Ross Cannon is not that. Ross Cannon is, like, a guy who is noble and driven and just does the job and wants to bang his wife. It's amazing. It really is. I loved it. I was kind of like, wait, why? How have I been sleeping on this? I don't. I don't know. Lots of lovers of again the magic. Oh. I'm with you. Nobody here talking about the secondary love story in again the magic, but I'll forgive it. Um, Hannah from book club, who is a friend of mine, is a super huge Clay Sierra. Like Claypus, like she basically when I first met her, I was like, do you only read Claypus? And she was like, uh, why? What's what are you? Why would asking? I read anybody else? Yes. I agree, Hannah. Um, and it made me laugh because she said <laughs> he loves that he buys her gingerbread at the village fair. Why? Because she also loves gingerbread. And if you now you need everything you need to know about <laughs> Hannah, you know from like that piece of information. But yeah, again, the magic is again the magic is the slowest is the book of it's the most magnificent romance novel where basically nothing happens. Yeah, and this is somehow you are riveted oh, yeah. to every page. And I again, I think one of the things that's really fun about this spreadsheet is people like readers really like dig into how a small detail can be a big it can really reveal a character. And so Paige <laughs> from Sacramento said that John McKenna lets all of his luggage sail across the ocean back home without him because the yes. heroine decides she wants to chat right before his ship sails away. Amazing. Um, It's the perfect, like, that's it, right? That's it. Like, that is, when I tell people about the most romantic thing my husband's ever done for me, it is, it's something small, but it really was that moment where I was like, he just, he just loves me so much. Yeah. And like, I mean, let's also add to it, like, John McKenna has enough money to let his luggage just sail across an ocean, right? And he'll just buy new stuff. It'll be fine. And, I mean, I do think that there's that, too. Lisa knows, like, she she rides that, like, very—she walks that very, very careful line between, um, you know, like, just generous—like, heroes who just are obscenely generous and heroes who are generous of spirit. And, like, you can give—I mean, it's— it's Winterborn, right? Like, Winterborn yeah. gives Helen the diamond or the pearl or whatever, or the ring at the beginning. And she's like, I don't care. Right. right? But McKenna lets all of his luggage sail across the the ocean. These are things only very wealthy men would do. Sure. And, but it means so much more at the end because we've seen the growth of the character. Speaking of, like, really twirling your money around. What about if several people mentioned Tom Severin buying a newspaper to save Cassandra and chasing Cassandra? I'm for it. Yeah, it was for terrific, right? Yeah. I mean, also, like, talk about the fantasy of... We talk about the fantasy of romance all the time, and, like, there is such value in the big, the giant action, the... the why did I just... I, like, I can't think of the word when, like, you, the grand gesture. Right. The giant action. <laughs> We think all the time about, like, the, the grand gesture and how, and obviously, it can't work this way in most contemporary romance. Like, you can't right. just have a character buy a newspaper. <laughs> but in historical and in Lisa Kleypas land. Yeah, right. 
in Clapiston. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tom can buy a newspaper. I'm for it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that really is hard about this now is, like, listen, people have bought up the local news, and, like, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, and all of this is actually arguably very bad. But in mm-hmm. this particular case, the buying of the newspaper is pristine. <laughs> oh, because it, it's for it's for, for good only. Yeah, of course. It's of not because he wants to... It's not because he wants to manage, you know, sure. all of the rest of the world. He doesn't want the power that comes with it. No. He just he just right. wants to save her. It's beautiful. <sighs> Great. Listen, Jack Devlin, I hear Honoré mention Jack Devlin, hero of Suddenly You, who turns up to have a conversation with some woman who works for him as a newspaper, as a publisher. Yes. He turns up at her at her house to have a conversation with him. She mistakes him for a man of the evening and he just goes with it i mean i mean sure what a hero it's pretty great i love it i love he he just lets it ride he's like yes fine (laughs) and then the next day when she goes to a cocktail party and oops he's there he's like hey yeah it's pretty terrific so i think my point everybody is yeah i mean clay piss just knows how to get it done She's great. If you write romance novels and you're out there and you're thinking, I want craft books, you don't need a craft book. You need the Lisa Clipus experience. I mean, I think you're going to have a really nice time. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Here's what I'll say. Get a, like, highlighter or a nice pencil or something <laughs> and, like, enjoy your marginalia experience. But this is what you do. Just start from the beginning and read them all the way through. You're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great time. Well, we should just, before we finish, I just want to, again, shout out to the Hathaways, who we did not talk about. But, um, Kev, listen, nobody loves a, he- a heroine the way Kev loves a heroine. This is Kleypas's unrequited lifetime love romance. I think it's her only one. I mean, I guess there's... Again, the magic, which is long time yeah, love, but like right. it's not, it doesn't feel unrequited. Kev loves when from afar for their entire life and is just happy to be in like breathing the air she breathes. And it is so incredibly romantic. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And it just like, Again, just a moment, a book where the, it just, the romance is just, it washes over you over and over again. And just, Kleypas is, she's a star. She can tell every kind of romance. And then, it's amazing. And then there's Leo. This is Leo Ramsey, Married by Morning. And her, um, and Catherine, his sister's. (laughs) companion. Do, do you see the way Katie from Seattle described Leo Hathaway? She said, he gives off Heathcliff vibes, but like if Heathcliff had therapy. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and I listen, I really think like these, this is the trick. People really know how to, exp- how to describe these books. Woo. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to The thing about Leo, the thing about Married by Morning, is it's the second-to-last book in the series. The last book is The Youngest Sister, um, and that is my favorite one, Love in the Afternoon. Um, But the 
but Married by Morning has to be read. Some of us write series where you can bounce around, Mm. and some of us write series where you can't, and some of us do both. And (laughs) the Hathaway series has to be read in order, in my opinion, because Leo starts out the whole series as a complete mess. And so we see him turn, his ship gets turned around over the course of the first three books. Like Wes Ravenel. I mean, I do. I think you really don't get the full sense of that arc unless you read the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, but the 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 profession of love, Alyssa from Oklahoma City nails it. Married by morning, he says, you don't have to be mine. Just let me be yours. Mm. And, uh, uh. And she says she read the book when she was 17, and it was the most romantic declaration of love she had ever read, and she is now 31, and it holds as number one. That's pretty amazing. Ugh, Clapus. Anyway. Happy Dare Craven Day, everyone. (sighs) The only way to celebrate, really, is to get in bed or lay on a couch (laughs) and Read Eclipus here. Read Eclipus. That's all you got to do. That's how you it's celebrate. True. It's true. Yeah. Derek Craven's book, did we even say it? It's called Dreaming of You. <laughs> we just assume they know at this point. I mean, at this point. <laughs> and uh, you can get it in all formats, you know, wherever you get your books. All right. Well, as Jen said, HarperCollins, as of right now, is still on strike, but it looks like the company is coming to the table. Um, All of these books are published, with the exception of The Hathaways by HarperCollins. Um, But again, the union is not calling for a boycott, so do what you will with that. You can find them all in your local public library, online, uh, and in other places as well, like your local bookstore. (laughs) We love Lisa Kleypas. You can find all of the books that we talked about in show notes. There are always every week beautiful photo arrays that Jen puts together on in, in show notes. We also put all the photos on Instagram. It's very fun. We try to keep things exciting. Um, and go out there and, you know, steal someone's eyeglasses. Yeah. As is customary on Derek Craven Day. Oh, have a great holiday, Wait, everyone. We're not here. Have a great holiday, everyone. <laughs> Seriously. We're not here next week. This is our Wednesday episode. It's our it's Sunday, and we're releasing yes. it officially on the day. But this is our episode for Wednesday, too. Uh, we're taking the week off. And we're thinking of you and we're dreaming, dreaming. of you. We're dreaming of you. Maybe we should put together like a list of recipes for like, you know, like Derek Craven Day, like, you know, you celebrate by eating certain foods. <laughs> Sure. Right? What would Derek Craven eat? Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough of that, everyone. Uh, we love you guys. Have a great holiday. 